0: Hello, hello, thank you so much for having me. I don't know why I feel better with a cup of coffee in my hand. Um, I'm gonna put up a picture of something fun we did this week. Uh, Those of you who don't know me, I'm the children's director here at Family Bible Church for seven and a half years now. And this is our little one that we adopted, Tori. And you wouldn't look at that little kid and think she's a mustard seed. You wouldn't think that, but this morning, we're gonna talk about how our young people and lots of other things are mustard seeds for the kingdom of God. So we're gonna dig into the book of Mark chapter four. So if you have your Bibles, you could open up. We were up north. I've learned that people here say up north if you go up toward the top of the state. So I'm now cool now, I can talk like a Michigander. Um, we had a graduation party up there, so it was a busy weekend. Um, We are going to talk this morning about the four Gospels first, and then we're going to be in the book of Mark. Um, I know that you're probably wondering, like I did, why do we have four books of the Bible in the New Testament that talk about the same thing? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're all about the same story, the story of Jesus, the Gospels, the good news about Jesus. And so when things are repeated in scripture, it's important to pay extra attention. So anytime you have something in scripture that repeats itself, like for example, uh, Revelation, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Well, it's repeated three times, so God must be not just holy, but holy, 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 right? Um, So Matthew, I just wanna do an overview of the Gospels. So the key word for Matthew, I would say is talking about Jesus as king. And so we get a whole perspective from Matthew about Jesus as king. The book of Mark is written, uh, it's the smallest book in the New Testament, and I would say the key word for Matthew is talking about Jesus as a servant. So you'll get pictures of Jesus walking through, same stories, but from the perspective of Jesus as a servant. Um, Mark was very to the point, he was very, Details, have you ever met somebody, some of you are married to this person, who speaks very short sentences, okay? They get right to the point, there's no messing around, extra details, it might drive you crazy like I do for my husband, Um, just give me more details. But no, I want you to understand me in my very short sentence, why can't you understand what I'm trying to tell you? Well, that was Mark, he was very precise and to the point, he wanted everyone to get The story of Jesus he was about to tell in as few words as possible. And so we have the shortest gospel, the book of Mark. Um, Luke is, uh, does anyone know what Luke was? Any teenagers in the room know who Luke was? He was a doctor. Okay, so his perspective was about Jesus as a human being, okay, and he wanted to show all of the humanity of Jesus. And so as you look and read through the book of Mark, you'll see the humanity side, the human side of Jesus. And then John, the son of God, okay? John was the best friend of Jesus, the beloved disciple, and he focused on the deity of God or the Godness of him. And so if you put Luke and John together, you get Jesus was fully human and fully God. Theologians talk about this in a really fancy big word called the hypostatic union. It is the union of God and man. How was Jesus fully God and fully man? Well, the way we learn that is by reading the book of Luke and John. We will see glimpses of who God was as a man and who God was as God, the deity of God. So let's jump into the book of Mark, knowing those things about Mark and the background behind Mark. Um, Chapter four, verse 30 through 34. We're gonna just read this together. It says, again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? Okay, this is Jesus speaking. Jesus says, it is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke to spoke the word to them as much as possible and as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. I love this last part, and then we're gonna go back to the beginning part. But if we pay attention as we read through the book of Mark, and you could go back to the first chapter, we're in chapter four now, but go back to the first chapter, go back to the times that Jesus is speaking. And if you notice, He's speaking to his disciples, he's teaching them. The Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, many people don't know this, it's one of the most famous sermons Jesus ever gave, and if you pay attention, it actually says the crowds were following him on the mountainside, so he's standing up, preaching to the mountains, and he looks down, and the 12 disciples are at his feet, and he says to them, blessed are the poor in spirit and he begins the Sermon on the Mount. He's speaking to the 12 disciples. The rest of the people are listening and benefiting, but the ones who are really getting the up close, personal look is those 12 disciples. And so let's just read this again. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke to them as much as they could understand. So people aren't understanding what Jesus is saying. And to be honest, as I studied this passage, there were times that I was like, what the heck did Jesus mean when he said, that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. I would have loved to know, to sit down with disciples, and I would have been that one in the back row with my question, my hand up. Can I ask a question, please? Can you go back to that mustard seed thing? Because I don't get it. Um, And he did say to them without using, he didn't say anything without using parables, but when he was alone, he would sit down with disciples and explain everything. I just wish I could be there, don't you? I wish I could have just asked Jesus any question. What would you have asked? So many questions that we have, but one of them would have been, what did you mean by the story today, Jesus? The mustard seed. Um, So let's go back, we're gonna talk about the kingdom of God today being like a mustard seed. So I'm gonna put a picture up on the screen to show you what a mustard seed plant looks like. The mustard plant is not a tree. It is an annual winter herb with a taproot. It's an herb that grows fast, branching out profusely. It can grow to 12 feet tall, and the plants are soon covered with brilliant yellow flowers that produce slender beaked seed pods. These seeds inside the pods are tiny, each one about a millimeter in diameter. One pod can hold up to 12 seeds. Um, So you see a picture there of the flowers, those yellow flowers, and a picture of some of the little mustard seeds. But in Jerusalem, these yellow flowers would just grow uh, along the roadside, profusely, okay? So just imagine, (coughs) excuse me, there is Jesus walking on the road with his disciples. They're following him and he's asking them, what is the kingdom of God like? And Jesus literally can reach out and just touch the mustard seeds, wouldn't that have been cool? I love that God knows we need to touch and feel things in this world. I believe that's why he gave us communion. We can, we can taste it and we can touch the bread, we can drink the, the juice and remember him because he knows we need our senses to relate in this world. And so here he is walking on the road, touching these mustard seeds, talking about the kingdom of God. Jesus used the mustard seed four times in scripture to explain things to the disciples, and I think that's because it just was everywhere when he would walk along the roads with them. This morning, we're gonna talk about what a mustard seed is, okay? So I have a whole bunch of these right here, and if you can see them, you probably can't see them very well. They're tiny, one millimeter in size, okay? And the question is, how does such a small mustard seed make such a big difference? Are we planting these seeds for God? And so what is a mustard seed? I'm just gonna give you an example. Every time you do something for the kingdom of God, in Jesus' name, you're planting a seed. Okay, so I'm just gonna drop a seed in this big vase. I'm gonna tell you a quick story. We um, were in the store, it was downtown Battle Creek, it's one of those secondhand clothes stores, and we go there all the time, secondhand, baby stuff, you know, Um, and There are, there's a lady, the owner, and one day she started telling me about her grandson who had cancer. And I just said, you know, how is he doing? She started crying, and for some reason, this place is always, just always busy. It got really quiet in there, and I started feeling that prick in my heart. I'm sure you've had it before from the Holy Spirit. And you just knew you were supposed to do something in that moment. And you might not want to do it, or you might be scared to do it, but you decide, I'm going to follow the Holy Spirit's leading right now, and I'm gonna pray for this lady. So literally, I prayed the shortest prayer possible. It was the middle of her business. So, um, dear God, it was something like, be with her, heal her grandson, and do this in Jesus' name. And she looked up at me afterwards, and would you know, she was just crying. Um, Just to know that someone cared about her, but also that God could be there for her. So when I did that, it was kind of like planting a seed. You take that mustard seed and you put it in the kingdom of God, so this vase is gonna represent the kingdom of God, the power of God, and now it's in his hands. And so you never know what God's gonna do with that seed. It's not about the size of the seed, right? This tiny little seed, the point Jesus is saying, it's not about how big we, we plant seeds for Jesus. It's about being faithful to do it, so put those seeds in. Anytime you do something for the kingdom of God in Jesus' name, you're planting a seed for his kingdom. So how are other ways we do that? We can serve, just show up, right? We can cook a meal for someone, we can give. Tori and I were out on Beckley Road and we saw a man with a sign that said, I'm hungry. And Tori said, what does his sign say? She can't read. "Um, Well, it says he's hungry. What could we do about that? Tori, give him food, she said. Okay, let's go buy him a burger. So we were going to stop anyways at McDonald's, and we got out, got food, and got him a burger, and she helped me walk it out to him. We came back in, and did you know the, we sat down with our food in the corner, and an older lady was across from us in a wheelchair. Some of these people that you kind of might not always feel comfortable around, right? And she had a trach in her throat, and this man that we gave the hamburger to comes rushing in and says, a lady and her daughter gave me a hamburger, and he gave it to the old lady in the wheelchair. And I got to tell my daughter that morning about how she planted a seed for Jesus and how he can take it and multiply it. And she took that hamburger and then they saw us and said thank you and we um, talked to them for a little bit. But it doesn't take a lot. It takes one little mustard seed that, that could be something very powerful in the kingdom of God. We don't know, it might not go anywhere, right? Some seeds grow, some seeds don't, but we give it to God and we put it into his kingdom and give him the power to grow it and to provide for that seed and you never know what God's gonna do. Um, Big, big things can come out of this. Um, The scriptures are shallow enough to For a baby or a child to come and drink from without fear of drowning, and deep enough for a theologian to swim in without ever touching the bottom. That's a quote from St. Jerome that I just love. So we need, in order to understand how to plant these seeds more, we need to be in God's word. We need to be studying scripture. And these scriptures are shallow enough for kids to splash around in, and they're deep enough for the wisest person in the world to drown in and just never touch the bottom. And so, we need to be immersing ourselves in God's word. And how do you do that? You have to study it, you have to ask somebody else to join you in studying it for that accountability. Um, When I was a kid, one of the reasons we're having kids worship with us this summer is because we believe kids need to see their parents worship God. Kids need to see the, The offering, getting given to God. Kids need to see that um, people get baptized. There's communion. There's all sorts of things happening in service that we believe that kids need to experience and watch in order to see. The very first time I ever remember feeling God in my heart. Do you have any memories like that? Early, early memories of the first time you experienced God. You felt like he was real. When was that? because mine was sitting next to my mom with a hymnal in church. And I remember her finger tracing the words from that hymnal. And I remember her singing next to me week after week. And one day, I remember feeling the Holy Spirit in my heart. And I thought, this God that we're singing to, he's real. I'm singing to a real God. And I was very young, I probably was five or so. And it was the first time I experienced God in my own heart. And so kids need to see you worship. Maybe you need to worship in your home more, or maybe we need to plant those seeds by coming to church and having our kids sit next to us and plant those seeds for him. Let them grow, and the power of God can do big things to um, multiply. What comes to our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. That was a quote from A.W. Tozer, The Knowledge of the Holy, if you haven't read that book, or The Pursuit of God, one of my first good reads um, for young people in this room. And I love having young people here that I can see were here when they were in elementary school. But we have to make it our pursuit to know God if we wanna become better at planting seeds for the kingdom, right? We need to know him, immerse ourselves in God so that we can Um, become natural at planting these seeds. So we're just gonna talk real quick about who is God? What is his name? And so one of his names is Yahweh, Lord. It's one of the earliest names that God was given in scripture. And when scribes would write this word, Yahweh, with a pen, they would dip their pen in the ink, take a stroke, dip their pen in the ink, take another stroke, because they didn't want to defile the actual word yahweh it was so holy to them holy 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 that they took precautions in protecting the name of god even when they would write it with a pen and i just thought what if we had that value of the name of god today what if we could spread a seed or plant a seed into someone else's life that we don't use god's name in vain in our house okay or we take the name of god And we value it at a very high level in our home, in our lives, in our workplaces. Um, And so we protect the name of God like those scribes did as they wrote it. We're planting seeds every time we do those things. Do you know the names of God? Have you thought about those? Do you know how to tell your kids the stories? So there's a list I'm going to put up. Um, Jehovah Jireh is the God who provides. Shalom, the God of peace. El Shaddai, God Almighty, say his name in your home. Say it out loud, let it be present. Um, Adonai means Lord. Each of these have a scripture next to them because there's a whole story behind these names of how he was given those names in scripture. Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Who doesn't need to have a God who heals? Um, What is the story behind that? Do you know it? Jehovah Elohim, the Lord God, El El Elyon, God most high, and Jehovah, my favorite, Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, AKA the God of angel armies. He is the God, not just of angels, but of armies upon armies upon armies of angels. He is the Lord of hosts. And so having a high view of God's name will help us become better at planting a seed for Christ and putting it in his kingdom and letting his power just grow it. Um, And so I wanna share real quick what God did this summer or this year at Awana. And there were weeks, I think one of the biggest ways we plant seeds for Christ is just by showing up. Maybe that's at work. So something I know from being married is husbands have to work. They don't get a choice to go to work because they have families to provide for, right? And so just showing up at work is planting a seed for the kingdom if you're doing it in Jesus' name, okay? And so maybe that's the question. Are we doing things in his name? Are we being intentional about what we're doing? Show up to church with your kids to plant a seed, right? Show up to Awana and plant a seed for Christ because you never know what's gonna happen. Are you always gonna feel like showing up? Do you always feel like coming to church on a Sunday morning? No, I wanna tell you a secret. Everybody feels that way sometimes. Okay, it's okay. But we show up for God and he does great things. It's like working out. We never wanna work out, but when we do, we feel better, right? Um, When we come to church, we feel better, even though we don't always wanna do it. There was a Tuesday this year where I wanted to work at a gas station instead of come to Awana. This is a hilarious story. If you know me, my brain is weird, but I was, like, having thought so much so that I was like, how could I get childcare? I can't take my kid to the gas station. If I work at the gas station, then I'm going to need to get babysitter, which really doesn't pay for itself. So I'm like, that's not going to work. I remember going down all of these options in my head on my way to church that night. And do you know what happened? Three kids accepted Christ that night. Three kids that would not have been impacted if I didn't show up if I didn't push through, you know? And Satan, especially on those nights, does not want us to be here. And so how are you showing up for Jesus? Maybe you have a spiritual gift. When I pray for people, I have a friend that says, it's like a gift, Kai. It's like you're giving me a present every time you pray for me. Um, But it's not hard for me to pray. And so what is it that you do for God? And people say, oh, that really blessed me. And you are thinking, oh, that wasn't so hard for me. I know people who have gifts of giving who just love to give to people and it blesses them. I know people who have gifts of serving and they go to Lighthouse and serve and do awesome things for the Lord, but it's not hard for them. They show up and God uses them. Um, This year at Awana, we were blown away by this light bulb tree, so we're gonna talk about this. I would love to show you what God did with this light bulb tree. In the New Testament in Acts 2, the Bible says that they were added to their number daily, those who were being saved. They were giving to each other where there was need. And the, the New Testament church grew very fast and very quickly because of this. And I believe young people are the ones who are leading our church in so many ways and that are going to lead our church in the future. But what would happen in Awana this year is that a kid would come up to us and tell us that they had accepted Christ. And it was always so powerful. We even had one guy do it right in front of the whole group as we watched him. And it just was so powerful. And every time we would have a child come up and turn their light bulb. So the light bulb represents their, the light in their heart. And it's just sort of like a tradition that we've done at our church. And <clears throat> the kids end up wanting to turn their light bulb, and then what happens is I feel like I should share the gospel again to explain why he's, he's turning his light bulb. And then kids watch that, and they go home and say to their parent, can I turn a light bulb? I'd like to accept Christ into my heart too. And so it gives parents a chance to have that conversation with their kid, and when you know it, the next week we'd be doing it again, and the next week again, and every time one kid did it, guess why? They were planting a seed. We're gonna have a kid turn a light bulb today. And that kid is planting a seed by doing that in front of everyone else because it makes people think and it gives God the power to take that seed and multiply it for his kingdom. And so what we would do is we would talk about these light bulbs, how they symbolize that we've asked Jesus into our heart. We don't want to pressure kids or make people feel any sort of pressure, but that light stands for Jesus, how he is living inside of us. It's alive and living. He died on that cross for our sins. His blood shed for us and all of that sin is washed clean. The Bible says as white as snow, he will wash your sin as white as snow, and he will cast your sin as far as the east is from the west, and that God remembers your sin no more. And so if we wanna know that Jesus lives inside of our hearts, if we wanna know where we're going when we die someday, and of course kids are like, wait, am I gonna die? No, not today. (laughs) But you wanna be ready, because you never know what's gonna happen tomorrow, and most of the little ones are gonna have many, many years to live, but we don't know. Today is the day of salvation. And so I never want to, like the, Chris was quoting earlier, let the little kids come. And I really think that means let them, give them opportunity to follow Christ, to grow and to learn about him. I was um, six years old when I accepted Christ into my heart at a VBS, and I was seven when I was baptized. And I remember that day so vividly that, um, I will never forget it. My life after that year got incredibly hard, Um, we ended up Um, My father left our family. We ended up staying in a a shelter for battered women and children. If I didn't have Christ in my heart, I don't know if I ever would have after that point. And so instead, my mom left the church. She was kind of hurt by the church at that point. And um, I remember as a fourth grader wanting to read the Bible so badly that I took the book of John and was reading it. And I remember I'd get through like three chapters and had no idea what I had read. (laughs) But I was like, what? third grader does that. Um, I prayed, I started praying for a friend to take me to church and to have a youth group I found in sixth grade at a, at a lock-in. Um, some friends that just accepted me and I thought they were the cool kids and I was like the nerd. So the fact that they wanted to be my friend was pretty cool and just for the rest of my teenage years had a place to belong in the church, and it really saved me. It was Jesus who saved me, but the church came alongside and planted those mustard seeds in my life. And I don't know what would have happened with my life if I hadn't had that opportunity. And so I praise God every time a kid comes to Christ. And so this morning, we're going to turn these light bulbs, and if you are a child who would like to turn their light bulb, we're gonna do this for you this morning So we've shared the gospel and I think Calvin and the Girton kids are gonna come forward. We're gonna show you all how this works. And so we pray over these kids, we ask the kids to go home and talk to their parents, make sure they're ready, they understand how this all works and how this is just a symbol of a decision that they've made. And this guy asked me at the end of Awana and he's been waiting a long time, haven't you? Because I asked him to wait until it was my day to teach the sermon <laughs> so he could be here to help me. So this is Mr. Calvin Stoltz, and Calvin, you're just gonna take your bulb and turn it right there. Can you do that for us? See if that one's plugged in. Okay, go ahead. The other way. Good job. There we go. Bye. Yeah. So we're going to pray over Calvin together, and then we're going to sing a song. And what we want to do is invite you, if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, no matter what age you are, you are welcome to come forward during the song and turn your light bulb. Um, and if you're a child, I just ask that you check with your parents. Um, but come on up, you guys too. These are the Girtens. See, Calvin's not alone now. He feels better. All right, come on over here. Everett, this is Everett. Can you reach that one? All right, yep. Go ahead and turn it the other way. Good job. Can you The bottom one? hmm And this is Evie. Good job. Come here, Everett. We're going to pray for you real quick. Is that okay? All right. Can you guys come here? Let me put my hands around you. I'm going to give you a hug. Okay. Dear Jesus, we thank you for these three. They are an example today to all these people of what it means to ask you into our hearts. I pray you would be with them forever and ever, no matter what life brings their way, that you would help them to know that you are with them always. You will never leave them. You have saved them, that they are always your children. And may they walk with you all the days of their life and keep you number one. And all God's kids said. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right. All right.
1: Blessed assurance Jesus is mine Oh of God born of his spirit washed in his blood this is my soul visions of rest lost in his love lost in his love lost in his love In his love, lost in
2: his love. So, God, help us to continue to lose ourselves in your love and your presence, but to know that we are created with a purpose. Even if we deem it unworthy or small, not worthy enough of even recognizing God, we know that you view us with the eyes of the kingdom. And you know that the gifting you've given us will advance your kingdom, will cause others to know you, will plant that seed in them. So help us, God, to leave this place feeling empowered, to know that you've created us for a reason, and that is to proclaim Christ crucified, risen again and coming to this lost world. So help us, God, to take that seriously and, God, that the church would continue to grow for your benefit, not for our own. For people to come to know what true love is. The gospel says that love is one laying down his life for a friend. And that's what you did for us, God. So help us to lay ourselves down and want to give ourselves up for someone else. So that they may know you. God, we thank you for the words that Kai gave us today. And just ask that you move on our hearts and continue to move in us, God. We love you and praise you. МУЗЫКАЛЬНАЯ ЗАСТАВКА